Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Last time that I was, I was honored to teach up here. Uh, we were in First Peter chapter 1. We covered verses 1 through 12. A uh, lot of powerful truth in there, a lot of wisdom, a lot of encouragement, a lot of promises for us to cling on to. And uh, as I prepared that message, um, I was just blessed because it just drew me closer to the Lord and helped me to cling further on to his promises. So I'm thankful for that. So we focused on a hope that we can count on, right? The hope that is in Christ Jesus, an everlasting and a living hope. So just a summary, uh, quickly, of verses 1 through 12 and what we covered last time. Um, through that letter, uh, the Apostle Peter is addressing uh, pilgrims, right? So pilgrims, sojourners, people who are journeying from one place to another. Uh, they had been dispersed to various regions of uh, Asia Minor um, in fear of persecution, right? So this is a letter to encourage those believers, and it was also meant to encourage us for we are not citizens of this earth. If you're a believer here in Jesus Christ tonight, you're not citizens of this earth, but you're citizens of heaven, right? So Peter reminds us to put our faith in Christ through everything. He reminds us of the incredible hope that we have in Christ, of the wonderful inheritance that was promised to us. Um, and because of him, that inheritance is incorruptible and it's constantly kept by God, right? Constantly safeguarded by God. Uh, he reminds us of the incredible joy that we can, we can always have, we can always know, even in the midst of trial, pain, and suffering, that there is joy to be had because Jesus is in our lives. Uh, the salvation that God had provided and offers to anyone who will accept him, forgiveness of our sins, redemption, freedom in Christ, and eternal life together forever with him. So Peter reminds us of all these incredible blessings that our citizenship is in heaven. And therefore, we should maintain a heavenly perspective in this life here and now because we know where our destination is, right? So as we jump into the second half of this chapter in the first few verses of chapter 2, if we get there, uh, Peter definitely switches, switches gears a bit. After having considered all those blessings, those promises, and addressing those things, how should we respond then? How then shall we live? So for those of you who are believers... Just know that your inheritance is incorruptible. It is protected by God. You're just journeying through this life, right? And our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, Christ did a great thing for us, and because we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, we become more like Christ daily, right? We are being set apart. We are being sanctified. And so that alone should help us to maintain that heavenly perspective. So we get to now choose to live lives that are pleasing to God. Because the Holy Spirit resides in every believer, we have been given a helper, right, to help us through this life. We were bought at a price by the precious blood of Jesus, and we have been born again by the Spirit, and therefore we should look to walk accordingly and live lives that are pleasing to God. So tonight, if you want to open your uh, Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, that's where we're going to hop in, and uh, then we'll finish in chapter 2 on the third verse. So... I just want to say that um, I'm thankful for my church. Um, I'm thankful that every time a newcomer or someone who's been coming here for years walks through that door, 
Uh, they, they are welcome with open arms, and uh, you, you genuinely see the love of Christ here at this church, um, the, the teaching, the leadership. Um, God's word isn't compromised here, and uh, I'm just thankful for that and the impact that that's had on me. So, you know, oftentimes when spending, you know, time with a brother in Christ, you know, whether it's outside of, of Crossfields or, or whether it's some young adults here or just, just speaking, speaking with one of you, you know, typical conversation usually leads to, you know, you know, how you doing with the Lord? You know, how's your prayer life? You know, how, how's your time in the Word? You know, typical questions, you know, which may lead to, you know, trials that we're experiencing, you know, and then it leads to encouragement, an opportunity to encourage. I know that I've been encouraged by, by brothers and sisters in the Lord when I'm experiencing some things. If I were to do a Sunday poll... Right of of just churches that I'm familiar with, right that I that I know are sound Bible teaching churches, right, and it consisted of these questions: Do you know the Lord? Have you surrendered your life to Him? And do you consider yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ? I believe that most of the people I run into would would say yes, right? Yes, I believe in Christ. Yes, I'm a Christian, and yes, I believe that that God's word in the Bible is true. Yes, 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 and that's awesome. You know, definitely with those answers, we, we are headed in the right direction. And praise the Lord for revealing his truth to us, right? And however, he's not done with us yet. So, through some conversations and through some just previous experiences, um, you know, I, I, I would discover uh, difficulty. I would discover that, uh, you know, maybe a believer or even in my past, you know, uh, maybe a believer wasn't making life choices, Right, that we're necessarily uh, abiding, right, abiding with Scripture, lining up with Scripture, right. So I give that up to my to the Lord in my own life, right. Or I would uh, try to encourage them and I would pray for them. So I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say that I've had to reflect on on many life choices, routines, habits, etc. Um, weren't necessarily terrible things, but they were definitely choices that didn't draw me closer to the Lord. They distracted me or took me further from the Lord. And in fact, some of the difficulties that we face in this life are uh, directly um, impacting our lives in a negative way. So those difficulties come as a result of those choices, right? So some common extreme examples, you know, being sex outside of marriage, Maybe looking at pornography, uh, drugs and alcohol, um, uh, addictions, uh, having an affair, putting someone or something before God in their life, putting a job, money, or a career before God in your life. And these things are real. They're real problems. They're real decisions. And even believers face these things. And for the most part, those of us who are making poor choices, right? We all make poor choices. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. I'm definitely not perfect up here. Um, you know, majority of our lives are matching up with the Word of God, right? You know, our, our prayer life is good, right? We're, we're hopping in the Word. We're nice to most people. Whatever the case may be, we serve, right? And we, we can feel good. But there's always that, that one little thing, right? There's that one little thing that we, we know isn't good, right? And, uh, but yet we, we, we tend to compartmentalize our lives, right? We're like, I know this isn't good, but I'm just going to leave it there. Makes me feel comfortable when I need it. Makes me feel satisfied when I need it. But the simple fact is, is, is it takes you further away from the Lord, 
right? Or the Lord's trying to do something new in your life, and that's the one thing that, that is holding you back, right? Right, so I would just say take a moment tonight. What is that one thing? What are those couple things that, that you know you know aren't right, right? We try to justify it in our flesh. We try to justify these things in our mind. Um, but the simple fact is, as believers in Christ, we want to get closer to him, you know? So what is that thing, you know, that, that is keeping us from drawing closer to him? And I constantly have to ask myself the same question, and it's awesome because we get to reflect and we get to recognize these things, and as a result, we do draw closer to him. So, so that's pretty awesome. So, and it also brings up uh, an issue that I believe uh, all of us deal with uh, to one degree or another, and it's this. Does God really care um, how I live my life, right? Does it really matter how I live my life? I mean, I say I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in him. Does it really matter how I live? Most of my life reflects, um, reflects God's ways. So does it really, is it really an issue that, that you know, I, I'm just keeping this thing here that I know isn't quite right? Why should I live my life any differently? I mean, it is my life after all, and God has given me free will. These questions are really relevant in our world today because more and more there are people proclaiming that you can believe in Jesus Christ and still live your life the way you want to. And so the focus of my message tonight um, and the challenge you know, I have for all of you, including myself, is to fight for holiness and fight to live a life that is pleasing to God. I believe that reflection is a huge part of this. And I, I, I want you to know uh, God's word does, does convict, and that's a good thing. We need conviction. We need to reflect in order to change. The, the power of God words moves, God's word moves us to change. But keep in mind, you know, we've been in Romans. Pastor Joe's been in Romans, Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So regardless of whether you stumble and you fall, he's faithful to forgive, and he's there to pick you right up. Okay, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that is not an excuse for us to keep doing what we're doing, right? We always look to improve and draw closer to him. So so that should lead us towards some positive changes, right? We serve a loving father, and uh, he's faithful to forgive. So if you're struggling tonight, if you're convicted tonight, I want to encourage you with this, that there's an abundance of grace in Christ Jesus. I've had to be reminded of that. There is grace, right? An abundance of love, of joy, of peace, and of freedom. So don't reject that grace. Don't reject that love. And remember, you are on the winning team if you are in Christ Jesus. You're already on the winning team, and the king of the universe is rooting for you. He wants you to push, and he wants you to persevere. Amen? Amen? All right. So I'll never forget the first time I heard this from Pastor Joe. Uh, He's used it a couple times, and and I love it. You know, uh, God's word is like a mirror, right? mirror serves to reflect and, and reveal the sin in our lives, that dirt in our lives, but we can't wipe off that dirt with the mirror, right? It's just going to smear and, and get even messier, right? Only Jesus Christ was able to wash away our sins. Only, only he served to do that, that substitute, right? But God's word does reveal the sin in our lives. There's power. There's transforming power, power to change lives, uh, to change your life, right? The more we dig in. So let's look to humble ourselves before the Lord and to really allow the power of the word to reveal the things in our lives that are not pleasing to him. So if you're not already there, let's get to 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> and uh, this is God. Uh, you know, uh, this is 
God inspired, and he's speaking through Peter, right, to these individuals, and he's speaking to us with this tonight. So starting with verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written in Deuteronomy, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Verse 21. Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. First few verses of chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I can proudly say that I have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He is gracious to me. So, so our first call to action tonight is in verse 13. And that call to action, I believe, is that uh, we should look to live a life that is pleasing to God, right? We should look to live a life that is pleasing to God. Uh, The world does not seek to please God, and you have an active enemy who does not want you to please God and doesn't want you being obedient to God and for others to see that and and for others to be drawn uh, closer to Christ as a result of that. So every day that you wake up, every moment, we want to look to serve Christ. We want to look to be obedient. So I've been a Christian for a little while, short time, four, four years. Um, and the Christian life is not for the weak. It, it is a constant battle. Uh, it consists of a persistent enemy, a persistent, our persistent flesh. But we find our strength in the Holy Spirit that resides in every believer and enables us to fight daily. Through the battle, we draw closer to the Lord, closer to our Father, and it is worth the fight, and there is such a reward in, in living an obedient life to him when we are living an obedient life to him. So we find blessings through obedience, which is pretty cool. So throughout these verses, we can see some solid hints and orders that we can follow on how uh, we are to go about living a life of holiness, how we are to uh, live a life that is pleasing to God. So let's look at verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, first part. In modern-day terms, that would be like, you know, rolling up your sleeves. Let's roll, roll up your sleeves, right? Back then, those times in that region, uh, they would wear something that, that looked like a robe, right? Even someone else would be like, oh, that, that looks like a dress, 
right? And so they would gird up their loins. They would pick up their loins. They would tuck it in their belt. That way they're ready to move, right? So just in a sense of a dress, correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, but if you got a dress on and, and you need to move really quickly, it's going to be quite difficult, right? So just, uh, just some things that popped in my mind as I was reading when I think of like girding up your loins and being prepared, right? So I'm a big basketball guy. You know, play basketball majority of my life, still play. And um, so it was popular in the late 90s, mid-2000s to wear, like, really baggy shorts. You know what I mean? You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking down to here, and then the guys at the court would pull the pants down even more, right? So it's so the butt showing and stuff, you know. And, but to play defense, you've got to get ready to move, right? You've got to be prepared for that ball handler who's coming at you. So they pull up their shorts, right, and get ready. And it's just the funniest thing. And pre-Christ, keep in mind, pre-Christ, um, on, on the courts or just, just hanging out with people or whatever, it was, it was a common thing for somebody to have a problem. And, and you know, you fight, you know. So a lot of these guys will wear jeans or whatever with, like, you know, below, below their butt and stuff. And, but to get to fight, <laughs> it's just a common thing. I don't know if it was, you know, just them trying to, trying to model somebody else. But realistically, if somebody's coming at them and they got their pants like that, they're going to fall over, right? And then they're going to get beat up. So, so they would pull up their pants. So if they had shorts on, right, they would pull them up so high so it would go from like, you know, bottom of their shorts being down here to them having short shorts. And they're like ready to fight, you know? <laughs> it's just it's just hilarious but it, that's what crossed my mind because they were getting prepared right you're getting prepared to play defense you're getting prepared to fight right so in our sense we want to gird up our loins right gird up our loins and be ready to fight every day the moment we wake up right before our, our head even hits the pillow like we always want to be prepared to fight and we can do that so I hope you enjoyed those stories. But uh, so right away, right away, Peter gets into it in response to the promises that we see in verses 1 through 12. All right, so uh, then we see uh, after gird up your loins, right after the, it says to be sober, right? So to be sober in this case is to, to be calm, right? To be focused, uh, to have self-control, Right? And so in response to those promises, we need to be ready, we need to be focused, and we need to be intentional with our lives. Instead of just letting things happen, right, and getting hit left and right, just going through the flow, wherever that may lead you, we need to take the initiative and take action so that, so that we can be the people that we want to be in Christ, to, to be the people that he wants to, us to be, right? And so that we can live a lives, that, lives that are pleasing to God. So, then in verse 14, we see it says, As obedient children, as obedient children, we are God's children, right? You've probably heard, and it, you know, sounds cliche sometimes, I guess, you know, because, you know, at times I haven't taken it that seriously. You are a child of God, right? What, is that, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Um, so, we are God's children, And therefore, he wants us to obey him. That's what children are supposed to do, right? I mean, I mean, you parents, right? That's what you expect from your children for them to to obey you. You know, oftentimes if they disobey you, you know, it could be at their expense. They could be in danger, whatever the case may be. And uh, I know one day if the Lord blesses me with children, I'm going to look for them to to obey me. And uh, nothing brings 
uh, parents more peace and joy than, than to see that their children are making good decisions, right? And on the flip side, nothing brings a parent's, uh, parent more sorrow or more angst than their child making poor decisions, right, that are going to negatively affect them. So it's exactly the same way with our relationship with God, except he is a perfect parent, a perfect father. We are his kids, and he is the dad, and we are called to be obedient. As we obey him, that is going to please him. In fact, faith and obedience should go hand in hand. It is actually impossible to separate the two. You can say that you have faith, right? But if, you're, if your life doesn't represent that, right? If you don't live an obedient life, then do we really have faith? If we have faith, we believe that we are children of God. Therefore, we know we should obey him, right? We know we should obey our Father, right? And we know that he has our best interest in mind. So... Jesus also says in John 14 multiple times, just kind of paraphrasing here, if you love me, you will do what I say. You will obey my commands. All right? We're followers of Christ, so we should be following, following these commands. Uh, James tells us that faith without works, without obedience, is simply dead. It's a dead faith if it isn't followed up with obedience, obedience and works. Do we go down? Do we, do, we, do we slump? Do we need to be picked up? Absolutely. Are there stagnant times? Are there, are there dry seasons, right? Um, absolutely. But the Lord is there to forgive. There, there's no, no excuses, no excuses. We get back up. We're soldiers on a battlefield. We got to get back up, right? So in the second part of this verse, in verse 14, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. So Romans 12.1. Pastor Joe, sorry you haven't gotten there yet. Um, I can't wait for Romans 12, though. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and, and perfect will of God. And this brings me... Um, to another thing, as I was prepping for this message, um, a good friend of mine had, had shared this with me. Uh, the three D's, right? There's, there's three types of, of spiritual people. You're either dead, you're defeated, or you're dangerous, right? If you're dead, that means you're, you, you're, you are not alive in Christ. You have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Therefore, you are not indwelled with the Holy Spirit, right? So you are dead spiritually if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's not my opinion. That's from his word, okay? Then there's, there are those who are defeated, right? Just how I said, sometimes we're on the downslope. Sometimes it's a dry season, whatever the case may be. Um, but a lot of Christians will, will stay, stay defeated for 10, 20 years, whatever the case may be. Um, there's a lot of defeated Christians out there. And, and if we're, we're clinging on to the promises of God and we know who he is, we know his nature, that, that he forgives and he looks, right, to strengthen us and to build us up, right, then, then we, we should find victory in that. And then there are those who are dangerous, right, those who, who are really seeking the Lord, those who are preaching the gospel, those who are looking to bring people to Jesus Christ, right? And, and if you're dangerous, how do you know you're dangerous? You're probably being attacked constantly. You know, the enemy doesn't want... Uh, to, to uh, see the Lord working in your life and then having an outpour on, on others, right? So dead, defeated, dangerous, three Ds. So as children of God and dwell with the Holy Spirit, we can renew our minds, right, as, as in Romans 12. 
by spending time with him and hopping into his word daily. And now we have the choice of living a life that is pleasing to God because we have the Holy Spirit. So don't be dead and don't be defeated. Be dangerous and be proud of what the Lord has for you and what he has done for uh, what he has done in your life. So I love God. We love God. So that means we should obey him, right? Right? Yeah, right. We have become children of obedience, and that is proof of our conversion, of us being born again, being transformed by the power of the word, by the precious blood of Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So just to challenge you all here tonight, and a personal challenge for myself, uh, let's take a look at our lives tonight, right? Are you obeying God in your life? Um, and it's, it's not just about uh, you not giving in to physical temptations or, or the physical pulls of this world. How about your thoughts, right? How about your heart? How about your heart towards others, right? Do you consider um, how God may feel about something versus your own personal feelings, right? How does that um, affect your life, right? Do you put his, his word above your personal feelings? So a call to obedience is definitely not easy, right? And it definitely doesn't just involve uh, physical or external actions. It's our social, our mental, everything. So are we obeying God in our lives, So, I'm just going to take a moment to say this. I'm going to steal this from Pastor Benny. He said it multiple times, and I love it, and it will forever stick with me. We will never be sinless, but with the Holy Spirit, and, and as we draw closer to the Lord, we will start to sin less. There is going to be that result in our lives, right? The only person who was sinless was Jesus Christ, right? So, we can look to grow closer to him as a result of our obedience, so obedience involves fighting. As I said, this Christian life is not for the weak, right? And so if you're not, you're not scrapping, if you're not fighting, then, then you may be sitting on the sidelines. And uh, back to basketball, you know, the Lord put a desire in my heart for basketball, you know, and he's used that, right? I've been able to witness to people through that, and that's awesome. But sitting on the sideline of a game was, uh-uh, I know I had fractured bones in my feet and my in my ankle, and and I would like lie to my coach, and and I, I would run, I would run as hard as I could, on I'd be in so much pain, but I just wanted to play, just wanted to play. I I, I couldn't help it. I just had that desire to to push through, and and to play. So let's not be uh, sideline Christians, right? Let's hop into the game, right? I know sometimes that involves us getting out of our comfort zones, right? But that's what we're called to do. The Lord wants us to grow, right? How do you grow? You you, you get comfortable in uncomfortable situations. That's how we grow. So, so unless we uh, see our sinful nature, right, how are we going to be obedient? Unless we see that sinful nature and recognize that sinful nature, then we are not going to fight it, right, unless we recognize it first. So we often view this nature uh, of, of sin as some helpful uh, companion, like, I just like carrying this, this little guy around with me. I can go to him when I need him, right? When I need to feel comfortable or feel better about myself, when I'm frustrated. But we must have a radical change of our view of sin and, and, and life. We must view sin as, as the enemy in our lives, right? Otherwise, we're just going to be nonchalant in our Christian walk. So, we used to be ignorant to the things of God, ignorant to the sins in our lives prior to Christ, but now we've been educated, so to speak. 
And because we have his word and because we have his Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, we can now recognize these things and the negative impact it has on our lives and the lives around us. Sin should no longer be our ally, but should now be looked at as our enemy, which leads us into our next verses. Verses 15 and 16 should just give us a little motivation on why to and how to live a holy life. So, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So we are to be like the one who has called us, be holy, for I am holy. Um, And I can't help but thinking about the day, right, if the Lord wills it, that that I'm I'm blessed with a child, right? Uh, I can't wait for people to be like, oh, he looks like you in this way, or she looks like you in this way, or, or, oh, he... You know, it's got the same sweet tooth that you do, or, or this one, like, oh, look at little Mac go. I can't, can't wait for that. Could you imagine, like, like a little me running around? That's going to be awesome. So, um, yeah, so I hope and pray that, that one day, if I do have children, that um, I can emulate Christ to them and, and have a direct result um, on their lives for Jesus Christ, right? I want to be that emulation, right? And it's, it's funny because our kids... Right? Well, I don't have kids yet, but your kids, if you have kids or have had kids, you know that they always look to emulate their parents. Right? I remember like back in elementary school, you know, it, it was like a competition. Like everybody would say, Oh, my dad would beat your dad up, or, or my dad would beat your dad at basketball. Like we, we thought they were superheroes, or, or you would just see little, little quirks that, that these kids would do, and it's directly emulating uh, their parents, right? So, that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. But we're called to be holy as he is holy. We are called to emulate uh, emulate our Father, right? To emulate Jesus Christ. And how do we know how to do that? It's right here. It's right here in God's Word. Right? So be holy for your Father is holy. So he expects us to be holy. And living holy shows the very family that we belong to. Right? So remember this, that our salvation is not only salvation from sin, it is salvation for sonship or daughtership, if that's a word, if daughtership's a word. And that is one of the great motivational factors to live a holy life, is the fact that we are children of God. So I hope, I hope that makes a little bit more sense. Um, so it's not that we just escape sin, but we have been granted adoption, and therefore we want to bear our Father's likeness. We want to be holy as he is holy, and we want to show the family that we belong to. So I've seen, seen some parents, you know, whether it's in a restaurant or in, in public or, or whatever the case may be, um, you know, apologize for their children's actions. You know, they, they get rude or they're cursing or they're, you know, making a scene. And then, or as a coach, I've had parents come up and, and apologize for their child's actions because, and then they'll say, like, that's not what they were taught, or that's not how we roll, whatever the case may be. I want to apologize for their actions, right? So we want to be uh, intentional with how we represent our Father, right? So don't forget who your Father is, right? Don't forget who saved you. Don't forget who you serve, no? So now realistically, we all have been guilty of this, even if it's just a brief moment of road rage or a little slip up. Just as our Father disciplines and corrects, He also loves us unconditionally, and we are still His children, but there are expectations. 
There are expectations for us. And we can only uphold those expectations when we are relying on him and abiding in the Spirit. So we're motivated as children of God to emulate the holiness that our Father has shown us through Jesus Christ and through his word. Be holy for I am holy. And he's provided so much for us and has given us new life so we should strive to be holy. Why? Because the one who we follow, the one who has given us everything, he is holy. He is the standard that we should follow and Christian means follower of Christ. So in everything that we do, we should ask, WWJD, right? Everybody remember those bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? And, and it's interesting. I, I almost feel like, like, like the enemy is, has, has used that because that's something we should constantly consider, but because it was considered a trend, it's like, oh, I'm not going to bring that up. But realistically, we should. In every, every moment, every decision, what would Jesus do? So I remember those bracelets when I was in elementary school. They were everywhere. You know, I thought they were pretty cool. Um, but it was just a trend and it faded. So, um, as most of you know, I went to Israel um, two months ago. And uh, I remember running into this cool Irish girl who was wearing a purple WWJD bracelet, right? I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, the trend has passed. You know, it's not popular to wear those things anymore. So I would ask her about it. And it was cool. As I got to know her better, right, as I'm still getting to know her better, um, I, I see that that, that is a... Uh, there's a direct result in her life and her obedience to the Lord because she constantly asks, what would Jesus do, right? And that's had an impact on me. That's now my fiancé, so that's pretty cool. So praise the Lord for that and uh, just receiving encouragement through that. So as our Father is holy, we should strive to be holy and we should ask that question, what would Jesus do in our decisions and actions? So you want to live a life that's pleasing to God? Look to follow Jesus every second of your day. And experience that great blessing that comes through living a life of obedience to him. So verses 17 through 21. I'm going to continue. Uh, Peter gives us another motivation in living a life of holiness. As he speaks about the battle that took place for our redemption. There's a battle that took place for our redemption. So in verses 17 through 19. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From your aimless conduct received by tradition for your father, from your fathers. But with, this, with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So remember the price that you were bought with. We didn't escape our old empty way of life. We have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. So nothing perishable was, perishable was valuable enough to purchase us back, right? To reconcile us to our Father. Only Jesus could do that. When we look at verse 19, he was that lamb without blemish, without defect, and he was the perfect substitute. His perfect life for our per, imperfect life and his holiness for our tainted and rebellious life. So ponder with me now. All right, let's say there's two friends. Right, one friend is um, in a whole bunch of debt. Right, he sits at his computer all day. He he just piles up a bunch of gambling debt, and he's stuck. Right, he he he's about to lose his job, or he's losing his job, losing his family. Um, his wife's about to leave him. I mean, everything's just crumbling down. Right, so he has a, a buddy who doesn't have much, but wants to pull him out. So. 
he refinances or, or remortgages his home, however you want to want to look at it, and uh, helps helps him out. Right, he helps him out. Then a month later, right, he sees his buddy on the computer, right, piling up more gambling debt. Right, so when I think of that, um, I think of the price, right, of which we were bought at, right. Just like the friend here. Right? If you did that for your friend and you showed up a month later, he's doing the same thing and he's already in a bunch of debt and everything's going right back down. Don't get me wrong, people have real problems and, 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 and struggles. But realistically, how would we look at that? Right? That friend would be demeaning, right? demeaning uh, the very thing that we gave up right? to, to help him. Right? He'd be demeaning that, right? demeaning your, that friendship. Right? So... And a sense of obedience to God, right, when we're disobedient, right, we, we are directly demeaning the very price at which we were bought, right? The precious blood of Jesus Christ, right? And, and this isn't to bash anyone because right here, right, we demean that a lot, you know. But again, our Father is faithful to forgive. We confess our sins to Him. Pulls us right back up. We get right back on that horse. We keep moving, right? But just to keep that in mind, Right, because a lot of times we are nonchalant in our faith and we, we do uh, look at sin as just, oh, whatever, I'll just confess and I'll just keep moving on and, and it's not really an issue in our lives, right? But realize that we are demeaning, right? That very redemption, right, in our lives, right? The very uh, price, the very cost that was paid for, for our sins. So, verse 20 he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world and manifest in the last times for you. So in verse 20, God made preparations long before we came into existence. So why should that encourage us? Well, it gives us complete confidence in the plans of God and the redemption that was executed at a direct point in history that we were sealed by the blood of Christ who died on the cross and then through his resurrection proving he was who he said he was. So we have been signed, sealed, and delivered, so to speak. And we are his. Our Father had a plan for us all along, plan to redeem us, plan to grow us. He still has a plan for you today. Even though we stumble, we can count on him always. One of my favorite scriptures, right, and it's just been, been pumped with it a lot, right? Everybody's been throwing it out. You know, it's a lot of people's favorite scriptures, obviously. It's, it's, it's a good one. Um, and it just encourages me to memorize scriptures, right? We've got to cling on to the promises of God, so we've got we to keep that at the forefront of our mind. But it's Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, For I know the plans, God says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So if God puts so much forethought in our redemption, right, the sanctification Right, the uh, becoming more like Christ, that process, why should that be an afterthought in our lives? Right? That should be a priority in our lives. Right? We should we should be looking to be a part of that plan, right? So we look to take action. So so another battle we will face in our striving for holiness is the battle of maturity. Growing in Christ and maturing in Christ, our spiritual maturity is, is reflected by, by the life decisions that we make, how we conduct ourselves, and how we generally just live our lives. So we're going to take a look into the last section for tonight, 
It's verse 22 through uh, chapter 2, and then with verse 3. So since you have been, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, uh, the fight for, for spiritual maturity starts with us obeying the truth, truth that we can never get away from. We not only acknowledge Christ with our minds, not only with our lips, but with the lives that we live, with the actions, right? And we live in obedience to his truth, the truth that is found right here in his word. So in verses 23 to 25, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So when all else fails, the word of God endures forever. And this is so encouraging for all of us Christians. If you were born again, we have been born again of that word and the enduring living word of God, and therefore it is the power of the word that has the power to bring new life in us, to change us, to transform us. Right? There's an emphasis on, on the power that is in the word of God. There's an emphasis in this chapter here. So you see the confidence is in his word. So I'm just going to use this example, right? See a, a, a baby, a baby who's in the, in the womb. What does is, what is it rely on? It relies on the uh, resources, right, the food resources um, of the mother, right, so that it can grow. And when it comes out the womb, it also relies on the mother's resources or other methods, Bear with me here. And uh, then as the child grows, it starts to eat solid foods, right? It starts to continue to grow to get stronger, right? And then eventually down the road, that child can get older and get adventurous and go to Mickey D's or Taco Bell, right, Tobin? Something like that. And uh, hopefully choose a healthier option like a, like a Chipotle or something, right? But my point here is that that food is a part of the child's constant growth, right? The Word of God is a part of our constant growth. We cannot grow unless we are digging into the Word, unless we have our face in the book, right? Unless we're spending time with the Lord, we cannot grow. We're not going to grow as mature Christians or become more mature. So constant food, right? We constantly need that. And uh, I know that you've heard certain things over and over again, right? You know, be in the Word, be in prayer, all these things. You know, Pastor Joe repeats it, Pastor Vinny repeats it, I'm going to repeat it to the day I die. Pastor Paul repeats it, the elders repeat it. And why do you think that is? Right? We're, we're stubborn, we forget these things. We need to be constantly reminded, we need to constantly be told. I need to constantly be told that. Right? That, Mac, you need to be in the Word. Right? How's your prayer life? Are you, are, are you communing with the Lord? Right? Because that, that has a. Every time I am abiding in the Lord, every time I am in his word, right, there, there is a changing effect. There is a transforming effect, right? And so, but we're stubborn, right? So we do need to constantly be reminded. You all need to constantly be reminded, just as I do. So that's how we grow. We hear these things. We live these things because we easily forget these things. So his word is sustaining us. It's growing us and it's maturing us throughout our years. And without the word of God, we cannot become more mature Christians. So 
It is this word that is going to change us believers. And that's why Peter ends the section, right, with verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When we are called to live the truth, we become Christians and mature as we obey that truth. And it is the word that we know, through the word that we know how to live a life that's pleasing to God. Okay, so the more you read the same scriptures, the deeper you may go. It's like, like, like an onion, right? You can read the same thing over and over again, but it has layers, right? You know, it's not going to just have the same impact as it did three years ago. It's going to have a deeper impact, right? It's going to make more sense to you. It's also going to speak to you more, right? And that's going to help our growing process. So, have you tasted his goodness? I have over and over again. Right? And I wouldn't trade that for anything in this world. And so tonight I want to ask you, uh, what do you crave? Right? Could be food, you know, could be something else. Right? What do you crave? And uh, do you crave the Word of God? Right? That's a tough one, right? Do you crave the Word of God? Do you crave to be in His Word every day? Right? And do you crave more time with Him? So think in your mind those longings that you have, those desires um, that, that you tend to need in order to be satisfied. Me, I got a sweet tooth, so that's, that's mine. But then Peter says that we as Christians should crave the word of God, right? Crave that milk. Do you feel that way about the word? The word that has been elevated in this chapter, do we crave it or do we stand over it? Do we criticize it? Do we just put it on the shelf? Does your life and the priorities you set show a longing for the word of God? And if we're truly committed to living a life pleasing to God, a life of holiness, then we should be chewing on it. We should be, we should be devouring it. Right? We should be digging in every day. So let's ask ourselves as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, what is the thing that is keeping you from living a life of obedience? What is the thing that keeps us from further craving the living word of God. You know what it is. I know what it is or what it has been in my life. I encourage you to give it up to the Lord and to let him do a new work in you. doesn't matter if, if you're new to the faith or if you've been following the Lord for decades. He is always looking to transform us and to teach us something new. So be open to that. And because he wants what's best for his children. For those of you who may not have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I implore you to consider it. Looking back uh, four years ago, I can say that that's still, you know, and always will be the best decision that I've ever made in my life. Uh, there has been a transformation. There has been uh, extreme change in my life. Um, uh, a lot of you who are close to me know that big time. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. And um, so I implore you, if you haven't, consider it, right? Consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and start that transformation, Will you stumble, right? I stumble, absolutely. But, but he's there to pick you right back up, right? He's there to keep you, keep you growing, to strengthen in you. So for the believers who are here tonight or who are listening, who have been saved and received Christ already, our actions, our choices, and our lives must emulate Christ. There are no excuses. And with that said, our Father is gracious and he loves us. So even when you do stumble, there's no excuses. 
we get right back up. We confess our sins to our Father who is faithful to forgive and, and who has started a great work in us and who will see that to the end. He will see you through to the end. So let's get back up on our feet and accept the grace that he is giving to us and has given to us. And as soldiers, we're going to keep fighting. All right? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.